0: Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Good morning, everyone the past couple of weeks, we've been hearing Jesus give a big sermon to people in Galilee, uh, people on the plain or on the mount, depending on what version of the gospel we're listening to. Last weekend, he said, Blessed are those who are poor and hungry and persecuted, right? Blessed are those people. Now, many of us are often not hungry or poor. Sometimes, I guess, we are. Many of us are not there most times. So this weekend, Jesus continues that homily by saying, Okay, if if you want to get blessed, uh, here's the standard. Here's some practical things you can do to achieve where you're supposed to go as a Christian. So, if you're looking for advice, listen to the gospel. The times we have failed to follow Christ as good Christians, let us call to mind our sins. A few years ago when I was a priest studying abroad, it was a daily mass where basically it was just a bunch of priests together. We lived in a house for priests who were doing uh, kind of additional studies over in Rome. And so there was always one priest presiding, and then one priest usually kind of assisting, kind of like a deacon-slash-server, but still looking like a priest, right? Still concelebrating. And then the rest of us sat in the pews in the church, just a bunch of priests, right? And for, funnily, everyone in the... All of us priests didn't sit in the front rows. You know where we sat? Where you all sit, right? We sat in the back. Anyways, one day, this, this gospel reading was the reading for the daily mass, and the priest got up, to, uh, the, the, de- the priest who was acting like the deacon... He did the gospel reading and sat down. The priest got up, stood up. He came up here to the ambo. He reread the line. He said, Stop judging, and you will not be judged. And then he said, Could it really be that simple? And then he sat down. You're not that lucky this morning. (laughs) You get a full homily. Today, Jesus sets a standard. What is it like to be good What is it like to follow him? He says, this is how you do it. Most of us, I think, try to get by with the standard of, I'm a good person. We say, I'm a good person. That's what we want to be, right? How many of us want to be good people? I do. There's nothing wrong with that. But can you name one person who died who was just a good person 100 years ago? Jesus sets a different standard. and The standard he sets um, is pretty high. This past week, a few things happened to me that are kind of worth telling in stories, and they had me thinking. The first one is about uh, about abortion and the pro life movement. Um, I was on Instagram scrolling through Reels, which is like short videos on that social media platform. I follow an account called Students for Life. Anyways, this account uh, had a a video video of some students out at Cal Poly in California, a university out there, and these students had done like a pro life kind of thing on campus. They had put like, these little pink crosses uh, in the ground to represent the lives that had been lost from abortion. And they put some signs out, like the little two-foot-by-three-foot signs you put in your yard for like, your high school kid that you're proud of or whatever, right? Those kind of signs that said, like, pray for an end to uh, end into abortion or join us in supporting mothers who, are, uh, who, who need help with their pregnancies. Those kind of things. They had a table set up and trying to educate the students on campus. Well, as they were doing this, as the video shows, some of the students from the campus didn't like it. And so they began walking through the crosses on the ground and stomping them over, just trampling them underfoot. And then one student, she went up and she grabbed one of those two-by-three signs, grabbed it out of the ground, flipped off the students who were at the table, screamed, folded the sign in half, and stuffed it in a trash can. And as I was watching this happen, my Catholic Masculine heart was like, I'm getting a ticket. And I'm going out there. Like we're gonna fix this, right? You know, no save these kids. You know, and I started getting angry and frustrated. And I, as I watched this, I thought, What would make someone a college student? What would make a college student want to do that? And I mean, not the people who are angry. I mean, the people who are who are taking the persecution. Why would a college student willingly stand there at that table? What would make them do that? As an aside, in the same kind of vein. Here at Corpus Christi, our parish is really pro-life. I found very few parishes that I've visited or I've been at as a priest that are more in the pro-life movement than this one is. And congratulations for that. It's a big deal. And so uh, recently, I was up at Holy Redeemer on the north side of town for a mass in the evening on a weekday. And as I was up there, I noticed that in their sanctuary on the ground, they had a little, they saw their nativity set out, just like a little version, like a one-foot-tall Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and a little candle beside it um, near, their, near their altar. their altar. And it had a little sign beside that in a frame, and it said, please pray for the Dobbs case. You know what the Dobbs case is? In Mississippi, they've they've outlawed abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. And Planned Parenthood went against that decision, and it's been appealed through the ranks. And this year, the Supreme Court is gonna hear that case at the highest level in our land. Should abortion be allowed? Um, in Mississippi, after 15 weeks, does Mississippi can they outlaw it or not? And for those who've been working on the pro-life cause for the last five decades, that's a huge deal—a huge deal. Now, I also want to make a make a point here. I know that I know that the abortion issue is not as simple as uh, as simple as some people make it. Because I hope that once once we finally do get Roe v. Wade overturned and, uh, and babies aren't threatened anymore in the womb, I hope that we have just as much vigor fighting for babies who have terrible homes or might be abandoned. we going to put all the same money and effort into that, too. If we're pro-life, we're pro-all of life, right? So I get it. But at the same time, based on what I've read online and what I've heard from talking to people, this might be the year that Roe v. Wade could be overturned, that babies who are in their mother's own wombs might be safe Forever. In 20 or 22, depending on what article you read, other states have made similar laws like Mississippi did. And so if one state goes, half of the other states in the country are going to go with it too. So if you've been fighting for that cause, this is a big year. And I thought, that's a good idea, Holy Redeemer had, to, to put something in their sanctuary to remind everyone to keep praying for that. And so Mary up here in our, in our sanctuary, the statue was bought last fall by some parishioners donated to us. And it's Mary, uh, the expecting mother. So she's got a... a She's very pregnant, right? You can see her belly from even before you're sitting. She's waiting to have her child. And we bought that statue and put it in the narthex so that all our school kids can walk by it, right? And then know that they are, they're loved, right? Our kids are loved here. But also to remind us um, of our pro-life cause and, and how, we're, that, how life to us matters. You know, one more point on that. I want to say this too. People, who, in case you're not convinced, the pro-life movement, talk to a couple who's trying to get pregnant and can't. They'll tell you how much life matters. They'll tell you that's not just a clump of cells. God, they wish they could have that clump of cells. Babies matter. Families matter. In our parish, you know, we live that in spades here. So thank you for that anyway. So that's why that's here. But as as I was watching that video on Instagram, I thought, what would make someone want to go through that work? And maybe you too. What would make you want to donate the money you've donated to the pro-life cause? Or to, 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 their, or to go stand out in front of an abortion clinic and pray for those people. When people honk and and cuss you out as they're driving by. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've experienced that myself and when I've been protesting. What would make someone to do that? Let's do a happier story. About 10 days ago, I got a phone call from a man who's not a parishioner, a man I don't even know very well. He called me and said, uh, Father, I want to donate a car to you. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good Friday evening, right? <laughs> I'm serious, he actually did. This is a true story. As I was talking to him, I was actually preparing for guys to come to our house for an event. And so, like, they were literally walking in the door as I was on the phone. I said, Sir, thank you. Uh, can, you, get, can, you can you give me a little bit of time? Can I call you back? And, you know, we'll find a time to meet and talk about this. And he said, Yeah, sure. So, a couple days later, whenever the, the event was over, I called him back and met with him in person. And as I sat down to talk to him, he said, I want to give you my 1957 Studebaker fully restored. He said, I've been watching your masses at Corpus Christi online because I can't make it to church anymore. He's over 90 years old. He's not, not capable of getting around. He said, I've been watching you guys' as masses. You have the best live streaming in the whole area. And I said, yeah, we do, right? Thank God we put those cameras in. I got a car now, right? No. He said, you talk about what you're doing with vocations. And my parish got closed a few years ago. And I believe that what you're doing is going to make a difference. so the parish is going to stay open. Um. If my car can help your cause, uh, I want to give it to you to do whatever you want with it. And I thought, that's amazing, right? I went to the bishop and I said, he said we can do whatever we want with it. So like an auction or a raffle or like just a perk for being a vocation director, right? (laughs) He didn't even laugh, right? He just moved right on. Anyways, as, as we were talking, I thanked him and we talked about some things. He told me about he bought it the day after his last child was born. No one else has owned it besides him. He spent... Years and years, kind of fixing it back up again. All this stuff, right? It means so much to him. Beautiful car, runs great. Anyways, at the end, I said, thank you so much. The church is honored by your gift. And he said, well, it's no longer mine. It's now yours. That was the last thing he said. I said, well, I'll give you a call. And he just looked back at his newspaper, right? It's no longer mine. It's now yours. I thought, what would make someone want to do that? It's the baby. I mean, not literally, but it's, you know, it's like a baby to him. It's precious to him. What would make someone want to give something up like that? What would make... Last year, when our parish was diving, nose nosediver two years ago in finances, what made you all up your tithing or make a generous one-time gift? What made you volunteer to take over for, for, for something that we couldn't fulfill as staff anymore? What makes you do that? Jesus... He holds up a new standard. He says, If you simply love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Even, even people who don't follow me are good people, Jesus says. He says, If you wish to follow me, when someone strikes you, offer your other cheek. If they take something from you, your cloak, give them your tunic, your underwear. Give it, give it all to them. If someone is hating you, love them back. That's the standard. You know, that's so hard too, right? Because Jesus is saying, if you want to be Christian, it's a whole nother level. It's not enough to be good like your neighbor or like your coworker or like your classmate. Good as a Christian, it looks like him You know, a couple weeks ago, I was at the regional wrestling tournament uh, here in Evansville. Modern Day was wrestling, so I was there to see our Modern Day guys. Like, half the Modern Day wrestling team is Corpus Christi parishioners, by the way. And both of the coaches are, too. Like, we are a wrestling parish. That's for sure. Anyways, as I was at this tournament, I started looking around the Modern Day section, and I realized I had no idea how many people on this earth looked like Deacon Tom Gable. (laughs) There's a million of him. <laughs> what is it to be a gable? At least this strand of gables, right? <laughs> Tall, salt and pepper, curly hair, prominent facial features, you know, at a wrestling tournament for modern day as people are winning, right? That's, that's what it is to be a gable, right? That's the gable standard. Big families too, usually. What's the standard for being a Christian? Who holds the standard for us? Jesus does. And if you want to have what he has, if you want to be where he lives now, if you want to have in your heart the peace that he wants to give you, if you want to be remembered as he is, if you want to rise from the dead, there's only one way to get there. It's to drop the fake standards of being like your neighbor or even maybe slightly better than your neighbor and to take on the new standard of being Christian, being like Christ. Jesus today makes it clear. What would make anyone want to follow him? Well, maybe it's a yearning for greatness. And maybe that's why people do what they do.